You're listening to Pulse Radio. I feel the master. I feel the master. Gotta let this ride. Recipes Archie ever sold. This iconic Atlanta and Georgia song, We Ready, and I know you heard it all around the world. This the most sports song ever. Oh man, I'm hyped now. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the host of Post Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today, where we're recapping the play in tournament. We are only what, what four or three days away from the official NBA playoffs that I think is going to be one of the best playoffs of all time because we had a letdown of regular season. I thought that we were gonna have one of the best regular seasons in NBA history. It's the 75th anniversary, but COVID ruined it. And guess what? I am ready for the playoffs. And as a Hawks fan, as a Georgia boy, I want all the smoke. <laughs> Not y'all let the Hawks blow the Hornets off the floor. Come on, man. I thought LaMelo Ball was like that. I thought LaMelo Ball was like that. I thought Skip Bayless said this morning that LaMelo Ball was going to have a better career than Trey Young. Although, didn't Trey Young make it to the Eastern Conference Finals just last year? It didn't Trey Young lead the league in total points and assists? It hasn't been done since 1979 with Nate Tiny Archibald. Come on, man, y'all, y'all, y'all playing with me, man. Y'all, listen, y'all, y'all playing with me. The media's playing with me. Like I'm, I'm right here right now. I'm doing this podcast, and I swear on everything I love, I'm more rational and more talented than a lot of these folks in the media. Because y'all just say stuff for shock value, and it is insane. Listen, I don't want to dwell too much on the national media. I want to talk about the game, which is something that a lot of the national media doesn't do. Shout out to J.J. Reddick, one of the national media members. Now he's a new member, but he is great at breaking down the game. He brings quality basketball content. J.J. Reddick. That Kevin Durant interview was tough. I loved it. I loved it. But, man, I get tired of the media narratives that people push. When you don't watch the game, you just say general statements that you think will get clicks. Like, this is why I stopped watching Undisputed. And I know I watch First Things First. And I know y'all hate Nick Wright, but Nick Wright is my guy. All right. And it's a way better show because they talk about more diverse topics. You're telling me that you had such a great game last night. Like, that Timberwolves Clippers game literally went down to the last couple minutes of the fourth quarter. And the Timberwolves celebrated. Like, they just won the championship, and Patrick Beverly beat his old team and had a bunch of smoke for him, and y'all were talking about LeBron James tweeting about the Timberwolves win for two segments, and y'all are saying that LaMelo Ball is better than Trey Young? The LaMelo Ball, who this game, this playing game, where the Hawks thumped them 132 to 103. The game was over in the third quarter. The LaMelo Ball that shot 7 for 25 
28% from the field. He ended the game with 26 points, but he was playing into the fourth quarter. He was playing in garbage time. This is who's better than Trey Young? Bro, y'all are but y'all are so susceptible to the hype train, man. Like, y'all are so susceptible to media narratives. And I do believe that LaMelo Ball is a good player. I'm not saying he's bad. And I do believe that LeVar Ball was correct, that LaMelo Ball is the best ball brother. I think Lonzo is going to have a very stable career. I think that Lonzo is going to be a key starting piece. He's a great defender. He's a great passer, like a, a very great passer, one of the best passers in the league. And he's his three-point shot is starting to get better. I think he's around like, what, 30, like, um, I think upper 30, lower 40%. When he was a terrible three-point shooter, his free throw shot is getting better. He's going to be a serviceable starting guard on any contending team as he matriculates through his career. But LaMelo Ball has superstar potential. But I don't understand how you didn't see what Trey Young was doing this year. Scored 56 points this year. Yeah, they lost to the Blazers, but you have to, you have to realize that the Hawks were undermanned that game. Then he has consistently was dropping 30 and 10 games. He is the best point guard in the Eastern Conference. A generational passer. He's nothing like Steph Curry. They both shoot from half court. Great. That, that's amazing. They both shoot from half court, but Trey and Steph are two different players. Trey can shoot. He's a three-level scorer. He has amazing handles. He can get to the basket at will, and he's not selfish. He's a team guy. He's the guy you build your franchise around, but you constantly disrespect him because he's not your flavor of the year. Ja Morant's the guy now, and I got love for Ja Morant, but Trey Young went and did it in the playoffs last year. You can say it was a fluke all you want to. You can say, oh, they're the ninth seed. They're in the play-in all you want to. Every team except for the Suns. Honestly, the Suns were the only team that weren't severely affected by COVID. Their players caught it. Like Coach, Coach Monty Williams, I think going into 2022, he was out. But they stayed stable, and that team stayed winning through the, through the COVID surge, through the COVID outbreak that they had in the organization. The Hawks didn't have that luxury because the Hawks are predicated on Trey Young and a team around him that can shoot. John Collins is out. Hopefully he'll be back uh, by the Heat series because they're beating the Cavaliers. Like, dude, they're, they're beating the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers put up a great fight against the Nets, but the problem with the Cavaliers is that they can't score. If they were able to score, they would have easily, but I tell you easily, they would have easily come back on the nets and they would have beaten them. The Hawks can score. Now the defense is questionable, but let's not forget the Hawks were the number two offense in the NBA, primarily because of Trey Young. And all they showed up today. See, I talked about the nets at the start of the last podcast on yesterday, because I said that they're just really Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Like, you can't play Kyrie and Kevin Durant 48 minutes and expect for them through a seven-game series against top-level top talent and top-level teams to continue to produce. But see, the Hawks showed the Nets how you play a team game. Trey Young, 24 points, 11 assists, did not start the game well. I think through the first half, he had like four points, I think, somewhere along that line, right? He was 8 for 24 for the game, 33%, only made one three-pointer, right? And he made it to the free-throw line. Uh, he, he, he made it to, to the free-throw line eight times, made seven of them, right? 
But look at his supporting cast. DeAndre Hunter, 22 points. Kevin Herter, 13 points, three three-pointers. Danilo Gallinari, who has really been the second best player for the team, 18 points, two three-pointers. And Clint Capella gave you 15 points and 17 rebounds. That's a team, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's going to get you in the playoffs. That's what's going to win you a couple games. That's a dangerous lower seed. But y'all are so drunk on the star power. I honestly think that a lot of people in the media and a lot of folks on Twitter, their analysis of basketball goes down to, oh, who has the better player? Oh, the Nets have the better player? Who has the second best player? Oh, the Nets might have the second best player? Oh, really? That means that they're going to just go through the East. I can't believe the OG, my dog. I'm so glad he got the opportunity to be on First Things First. Chris Broussard really said this morning that he believes that the Nets are going to cakewalk through the East. They're so dangerous. And this whole entire narrative that, oh, the Nets are the most dangerous seven seed. Why can't you give that same narrative to the Hawks, the number two offense in the league? What you saw tonight is an example of how great the Hawks are especially when they lock in. The Hawks outscored the Hornets 42-24 to in the third quarter. And after that, the game was over. If DeAndre Hunter, if Kevin Herter, you had Bogey coming off the bench, Bogey had 13 points. Wright has been really stepping up. DeLon Wright's really been stepping up. I'm proud of him. But, and they didn't play Lou Williams. I, like, save Lou Williams. For the Miami Heat, because you want you want that scoring coming off the bench, you want to make sure Trey gets his rest. But, dude, if you have Gallinari, Hunter, and Herter, and Capella chipping in, especially in the absence of John Collins, man, I'm not saying the Hawks are going to beat the Heat. I'm not saying that because I want to be objective. I'm a Hawks fan, and I know that if, if other more diehard Hawks fans might roast me, but listen. I want to be objective. The Heat have been a really good team. Eric Spolster is an amazing coach, and he comes up with amazing defensive schemes. But my whole entire thing is this, is that I know Trey Young is definitely going to be the best player in that series for sure. Jimmy Butler has not been like that this year. Jimmy Butler has not been like that. Trey Young has been scorching, and Trey Young hasn't even hit his prime yet. But the Heat are a well-composed team, and I said this early in the season, the Heat are the deepest team in the league. If they get all their guys back and you get Bam off a COVID protocol and P.J. Tucker comes back and Markeith Morris comes back and Kyle Lowry is ready and Jimmy Butler's rested and then Victor Oladipo has been a secret weapon, I'm telling you, it's going to be hard to beat them. But the Hawks are going to give them that work because the Cavaliers are done because, bro, it's not really too much basketball to talk in this game because the Hawks just destroyed them. Like, the Hornets never really had a chance. They came out quick at first. Like, from the tip-off, they came out, out quick. LaMelo was pushing the pace. Terry Rozier was pushing the pace. But eventually, the Hawks just started knocking down shots, and I sort of knew where, where the game was going. And then you had the Hornets that started getting frustrated. And more on that later on with, with uh, Miles Bridges. But the Hornets just started getting frustrated. And they started to slow the pace down, and that favored the Hawks more than it did the Hornets. Because the Hawks were able to better operate in a half-court set. And they were trying to trap Trey Young and trying to run Trey Young in zone. And Trey was picking them apart. He was doing the opposite of what Carl Anthony Towns was doing. And I understand that Trey Young is a guard. He's a point guard. 
All right. And Carl Anthony Towns is a, is a center. But at the same time, you're the best player on the team in the playoffs. And maybe cat is not used to it and trade is had his first playoffs last year. They're going to throw a lot of bodies at you. They're going to throw taller defenders at you. Trey knows what to do because he's a generational passer. And Nate McMillan put him on the court with shooters. And you had the big man inside to clean up the rebounds, do the dirty work, put the ball back in the hoop. That's how you beat the zone. Trey Young did not get flustered. Trey Young didn't have a bunch of turnovers. Trey Young was able to make things happen. He had three turnovers. He had three. He had three turnovers. He was able to pick apart that zone and make sure his team got the win. He didn't start the game well. But guess what? Your star player can start off the game sloppy and you can still be successful. You want to know why? Because when you have a team around you, the team is going to pick up the slack for you until you start finding the hoop. And it's more to the game than scoring. It's passing. Trey Young with 11 assists. Trey Young made sure Clint Capella was eating. He made sure Kevin Herter was eating. He made sure Bogey was eating. He made sure the team was eating, and they rolled that momentum to a win, and they're going to be playing in Cleveland on Friday, and they're going to beat the Cavaliers because if the Hawks play like this, and Jared Allen can come back. I think Jared Allen is going to be a, a valuable piece for the Cavaliers, but he can come back, and you're not going to beat the Hawks because if Trey Young decides, listen, we're going to the playoffs, Hawks are going to the playoffs. But the Hornets have a lot to build on. The Hornets, they had a great season considering the Hornets, they had a winning season for the first time in however long. Shout out to the Hornets. The rebuild is paying off for them. I believe they were able to acquire some amazing players. Miles Bridges had an insane development. Miles Bridges should still be in the most improved player of the year conversation. I know I think everybody's sending their ballots in. I think everyone's ballots have been sent in for the official award voters for the NBA. And I know that possibly Jordan Poole or Desmond Bain, they might give Ja Morant most improved player, but I don't think that's fair. But I know Jordan Poole and Desmond Bain, like they were producing for like two of the top four teams in the West, right? And Jordan Poole really stepped up in the absence of Klay Thompson. And Desmond Bain in the absence of Ja Morant, he was the primary ball handler, and he was the star. And he was talking his talk even to LeBron and to all the players. He made the NBA hate him. But Miles Bridges really became a second option. Really, honestly, and sometimes a first scoring option for the Hornets. At some points, he was, he was dunking, doing windmills, putting people on a poster. The Hornets have a good team, and they, and they have a great foundation to build upon. I know it's talks about the Hornets trying to acquire trying to acquire Russell Westbrook and possibly buying him out because you have a lot of guys that have massive contracts and you want to get Russ, stretch that contract out so you have more flexibility on your books. But man, y'all got to bring back Miles Bridges. He is a productive player. Y'all got to get a guard or a forward. Like y'all got to send Terry to the bench. The Hornets have to get a guard or a forward that can be a primary scorer because LaMelo is a facilitator. LaMelo's going to get you, you know, in in the, in the teens or like the, the 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 high 20s in his scoring, but give you like 12, 13 assists. He's a facilitator. You have Bridges that's a role man and a dunker. You put him in the, in the dunker spot, right? But y'all need a scorer 
that's going to put the ball in the hoop and ensure that you just simply do not go down by these large deficits like they did against the Hawks. It felt like a regular season game because the Hawks beat the Hornets like this before. Y'all need a scorer. And I think that that is what a lot of these younger teams need. They have the flash and the flair and the speed, but they need scoring. Like what I saw with the Timberwolves against the Clippers on last night, you had Anthony Edwards getting buckets. D'Angelo Russell finally woke up in the second quarter and started getting buckets. And they offset Carl Anthony Towns having a terrible game. That's a team. That is what the Hornets need. That's what the Cavaliers need. But the Cavaliers need to get some rest. And the Hornets are going to get some rest for the offseason. And y'all can try again next season because Trey Young's coming. The Hawks are coming. But I have to say this uh, before we move on to the Pelicans and the Spurs, right? Miles Bridges had a moment where he got called for a foul and he tried to aggressively approach the official. And the official threw him out the game, as he should have been thrown out the game. And Miles Bridges was so upset that he threw his mouthpiece at a young female fan and he attempted to slap the hand of an Atlanta fan. Um, Miles Bridges had an amazing season this year. And he has been an amazing player for the Hornets. I think that he's going to get the bag. He he averaged 20 points this year, 20.2 points this year, seven rebounds, three assists on 49% from the field. I think that that young man is going to get the bag this year. He's a great rapper, too. He's actually a great rapper. <laughs> he's actually a really good rapper. Like he can, he can really rap for real. All right? Talented guy. But Miles, bro, like, you can't do that. Like, you have to be a professional. Like, you lose sometimes. Yeah, I know you're frustrated. The referees get on your nerves. But you have to keep your composure. I know you're going home. I know that your season is over. But you don't want to compromise yourself, especially in post-Will Smith, Oscar slap society. You don't want to do that to yourself and possibly compromise some money for you. And also, you might get a suspension or a hefty fine. Like, I was looking at an article because, you know, the Hornets have been a, tr a possible trade destination for Russell Westbrook. So I was snooping around, and I, and I was looking at the possible price for Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges could get a multi-year contract that's in the hundreds of millions. Like, max players or, or almost max players don't act like that. The Hornets can build something special in Charlotte. And I believe they that, you know, I hate that their season stopped, ended like this. I'm a Hawks fan. I'm rooting for the Hawks. But I hate that as a basketball fan, I hate that their season ended like this because they were really good in the regular season. But they, like, just like most of these teams, I, I say this about almost every team at the, at the bottom of the conference, they lost the games they should have won. The teams that were at the bottom of the East this year, the Nets, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Hornets, they were better than their record Gave them credit for. Of course, the Nets had a bunch of drama, but the Hawks, they dealt with the COVID surge and a bunch of injuries. You had the Cavaliers, injuries knocked them to the play-in. And the Hornets dealt with that Gordon Hayward injury. They had a couple other injuries they had to manage. And then I think just the mellow is still growing, and they just don't have that, that real scoring that really can truly put them in a position to score with, like, the Hawks, right, to get 132 points when the Hawks are on, on, a, on a hot streak. They're the number one offense, yeah, and LaMelo is orchestrating that, but 
I need you to be the number one offense when it matters. But I just I just think that Miles Bridges doing that was just uncalled for. Um, it was wrong. Um, he did release a tweet about um, the young lady he threw the mouthpiece at by mistake. He didn't do it in, in, like a t- in intentionally, but he has to compose himself, right? So he said that he wants to get that young lady's information so he can uh, rectify that situation, and that's what's up for Miles Bridges. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. Be a professional. You can pay millions of dollars, man. Don't do that, bro. Don't do that. You know what I'm saying? You represent your organization. He's representing Michigan doing his thing. Don't do that, bro. You got you to gotta calm yourself down and compose yourself, all right? But shout out to him for wanting to make it right and understanding that he was wrong. He personally took responsibility and said that was unacceptable. But I think the Hornets have a lot to grow upon. I think Michael Jordan is finally going to have a winner really soon. And I'm excited to see the growth of LaMelo Ball. But I just need for the for the NBA media to cover the players that are doing it right now. And Trey Young's doing it right now. And y'all need to mention Trey Young right up there with Luka. And it's a shame that Luka's injured. But y'all need to mention Trey Young with Luka Dantich because that was a very fair trade. And both of them are putting up monster numbers for their respective teams. And they have shifted the culture for their respective teams. Where now both of these teams are playoff contenders. The Hawks had a, had a bad stretch this year. But both of them have turned their respective teams into playoff contenders. And they haven't even reached their prime yet. And the teams don't, don't even have like real pieces to truly contend. The Hawks have to make some switch some switch ups before they really get to that point where they can truly contend with the Bucks and the Nets if they finally get it together. Because I think the Nets eventually will. But do they have the pieces to contend with the 76ers if James Harden really starts to step up? Do they have the pieces to compete with the Celtics? And same thing for the Mavericks. Do you have the pieces to compete with the Suns? Do you have the pieces to compete with the Warriors that are trying to get one more before Steph leaves his prime? Do you have those pieces? And I think that that's that's the question for the Hawks and the Mavericks, and that needs to be the conversation. Look at what Trey is doing with this roster, and look at what Luka's doing with that roster. Like, they're proving that they were worth the trade and their culture shifters. And you have to give Trey Young that credit. And one last thing, Going back to what Skip said, because Skip essentially said on Undisputed this morning, he said that LaMelo Ball is going to have a better career than Trey Young because he's taller. Because the, the league is for guys over 6'7", over and LaMelo Ball is a 6'7 point guard, and Trey Young is a little guy. And then Skip Bayless calls him Maestre. But Skip didn't, didn't watch that game and see how Trey Young affects the offense. Skip Bayless didn't watch that game where Trey Young scored 56. Skip Bayless didn't watch that game where Trey Young scored like what 45 on the Knicks a couple weeks ago and knocked the Knicks out of playoff contention. I don't think Skip saw those games. I don't think Skip sees the passes. Did Skip see that no look pass that Trey Young threw to Clint Capella tonight? Does the NBA media see that? So listen, there's no more games. Like, listen, it's the 9-10 game. Like, no talking about the Nets, no talking about the Celtics. I know y'all going to talk about Zion doing a windmill dunk. Y'all going to make 15 topics off of that. But talk about Trey Young stepping up and showing the league who he is. But that that's it. That's it, all right? I just wanted just to say that because y'all getting on my nerves, disrespecting my boy. All right, so let's talk about the Spurs versus the Pelicans. It ain't much to talk about. I'm going to make this quick. Because I have a lot to, not to do tomorrow, and as well as I did not get a chance to take my nap. 
<laughs> I recommend to anyone listening to this. If you have the opportunity to, before you watch your sports game, take a nap because it makes the experience so much better because dog, if I don't take a nap or I don't get any rest before the game, I will surely go to sleep and I'm not going to lie to you. I want to always, especially this playoffs, because I want to do a bunch of content for Pulse Radio. I want to be like in tune with what's going on. And I want to, you know, analyze it, break it down, give the basketball stuff, give jokes, give all this great analysis. But I was so just amped off the Hawks beating the Hornets in the fashion that they did. And Trey Young proving that he's the better player over LaMelo Ball that the first, really the first quarter, I really wasn't paying attention to the game. Like, I was watching it, but I wasn't. But it was very, it, it was back and forth a bit, but CJ was getting any shot he wanted. Like, CJ McCullum is a bucket, and I think that people forget that because the Blazers sort of lived in infamy after the 2019 playoffs. After they made it to the Western Conference Finals and they got swept by the KD list Warriors and the Warriors quest to the finals in 2019, people sort of forgot that CJ was like that. And I think that CJ in Portland got overwhelmed by the ground, the groundswell of spotlight and support that Dame got because Dame's a cold player. Like, is Dame a top 75 player? He has the accomplishments, but I wouldn't say that. I think he's outside of the top 75. But Dame is like that. And Dame was the star of that team, and CJ was a great co-star. But I think what CJ has done in this role with the Pelicans is he switched over to his natural position. I think that CJ was always a great playmaker, but Dame had the ball the majority of the time. Now you see CJ playing point guard, and he's flourishing. CJ... After he came back from his lung collapsing, which I'm glad he's okay off of that. That's scary. He's had an amazing season. He's one of the reasons why the Pelicans won this game. The Pelicans won this game 113 to 103. CJ McCollum had 32 points, six rebounds, seven assists. He shot 52% from the field, made three three pointers at a 60% clip. He was the most consistent player out of really any of the players on either team. Brandon Ingram stepped up towards the end, but he got into foul trouble before the first half ended. He had three quick fouls, so he had to sit down. DeJounte Murray had to sit down as well. DeJounte, honestly, was not that productive at all. DeJounte had 16 points. He shot five for 19 from the field, only made one three-pointer. He got nine rebounds. I'll give him that. That's great. But he wasn't really even in to play lockdown defense because DeJounte Murray is a lockdown defender, but he wasn't in the lockdown CJ. <laughs> you got to be in the game to play, you know, and, and the Spurs tried their best to play in spite of him. You know, uh, Vassal, who is their starting small forward, had 23 points and Jacob uh, Patelli, he had 16 points and nine rebounds and an amazing block on Jonas Valanciunas in the fourth quarter. But it just simply wasn't enough. And I knew the Pelicans were going to win. And the Spurs did make it an interesting game, similar to what the Cavaliers did against the Nets last night. He, they, they did, but I knew the Pelicans were going to win. I was just hoping that the game went like the game they played a couple weeks ago. Uh, they played a game 
one early Saturday evening. It was 6 p.m. Eastern. They started the game, I think 5 p.m. Central. And it was a really close game, and they were battling each other for playoff contention because at that point in time, the Lakers still mathematically were in it. So um, it was that it was the weekend that the Pelicans played the Spurs, and they actually lost to the Spurs. The Spurs surprisingly won that game, and I don't think Brandon Ingram played that game. It was just CJ, and it went down to the last couple seconds, right? And then the Pelicans then go, and they beat the Lakers, and they pretty much secure that they were going to get the ninth seed and that the Lakers were not going to get higher than the 10th seed. Then of course the Lakers found their way out the playoffs and they were eliminated by the, by the Phoenix Suns. But that was a really good fun game. And I was invested in it because it had real playoff implications. I thought it was going to be a repeat of that game, but when you take out your star player in DeJounte Murray and you have some nice pieces, but they're not built to pick up the slack. It's going to equal an L. Yeah, they went on a 15, I think it was 15 or 16 in one run um, and, until like about the three-minute mark of the fourth quarter. But then Brandon Ingram said, let me step up and put this game out of reach. And he did. The Spurs are such a shame because I, I would hate for this to be Greg Popovich's last year. He's the most winningest coach in NBA history as far as career wins. He built a dynasty in a small market um, town with the San Antonio Spurs team that really developed players and found a lot of great gems in the draft. He has contended in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and even the 2020s. And two straight years, he went out in the play-in. I really don't want Pop's career to end like this, but it most likely will. The Spurs are mediocre. DeJounte Murray most likely when his contract is up, he's leaving. And the Spurs are going to wallow in infamy. Like they are a shell of the championship past. Can you believe that just nine years ago, they played the Heat in that legendary NBA finals with that Ray Allen shot that saved the game for the Heat and then LeBron took over that game seven and sent him home. Then they came back and won the 2014 NBA finals. That's not even been 10 years ago. That's been within the span of eight, nine years ago. And there's, it's not the same team. Like, I don't know what happened. I think Kawhi leaving them caused a lot of problems, and LaMarcus Aldridge just was not the guy that was going to be the heir apparent to Tim Duncan. Because I honestly thought that LaMarcus Aldridge would be the heir apparent. I thought that he was the guy. I, didn't, I knew he wouldn't be as great as Tim Duncan, but he was a stretch four. He could post up, and he gave Kawhi a secondary score. And then, then DeJounte Murray went down with that Achilles injury, and he was out for a year. And you had Tony Parker that was on the verge of retirement, same thing with Manu Ginobili, and you saw the new guys taking over. But Kawhi wanted out of town after how they handled his injury, after the Zaza um, you know, situation where he got in Kawhi's landing space. And he got injured, and the Spurs handled that all wrong. And then LaMarcus Aldridge got released last year, and he found himself on the Nets. And then, then like, DeJounte Murray is a great guy, and I'm glad he got a chance to get an all-star game appearance this year. But he needs help. And, I, and like, Pop is such a great coach. And I think that, that DeJounte Murray's play, along with Coach Pop, just knowing the X's and O's of the game and just – you know, knowing how to outcoach your most of your coaches, 
I think that that's the reason why that they were even in contention for the play-in. Because the, the Lakers should have been in that spot. The Lakers should have been playing tonight. We know that. It should have been Lakers, Pelicans, round four, round four, round five. That's really what the, it should have been. But the Lakers didn't handle business. So the Spurs squeaked in. And I tweeted, I said, the Spurs are making a run, and I admired them for putting up a fight, but they're not coming back. And I thought CJ was going to score like, because he had what? He had 30, like, like CJ had 32 points. I thought CJ in those final four minutes would score eight straight points and get and get a 40-piece and say, hey, thank you so much, Coach Pop. See you later. On to L.A. <laughs> That's what I thought that they were going to do. But the Spurs made an interesting. I'll give it that. It wasn't a blowout. Uh, the game, like the third quarter started like a blowout. It was starting to look exactly like the Hawks Hornets game. But the Spurs fought back. And you can never count out a Greg Popovich team. You can never count them out. But there was no way with DeJounte Murray being their best perimeter defender, and he was in foul trouble. There was no way that they were going to stop CJ. And CJ was scorching them. Then you get Brandon Ingram, he comes back in, and now he's in his pocket and he starts scoring. There's nothing you can do. I wish the Spurs the best. Uh, the Hornets, I want to do a show probably on tomorrow, on Thursday, where I give my prediction for really my full playoff predictions because after the play-in, we're immediately going into the playoffs, right? So we know it's going to be Hawks and Cavaliers. We know it's going to be the Pelicans and the Clippers. So I want to give a prediction for whichever team in the East or West makes that eight seed, and then I want to go on and give my official playoff prediction. So that'll be coming out really soon. But I want to see what C.J. McCollum can do against Paul George, Tyron Lue with the chip on his shoulder because they lost that game against the, against the Timberwolves. They let Patrick Beverly bark on them. They let the Timberwolves celebrate like it was the NBA championship, like they were the Minneapolis Lakers. <laughs> you know, I know Tyron Lue is like, yeah, we got to do something. We can't let that happen again. And I think Tyron Lue was up watching that game. And he says, CJ is going to be the guy. CJ is going to be the primary ball handler. CJ is who we have to find some way to stop. Or maybe Brandon Ingram. But they got to find some way to get the ball out of CJ's hands. And if anyone can do it, it's Tyron Lue. Especially with all of those forwards that can switch and that can show their length on CJ to make it hard for him to get that shot off. Because CJ can put the ball on the court, on the floor. He can create a shot. But, man, you got to make it hard for him. Like, Trey Young was able to effortlessly get the ball and move it around. But I think CJ, if you really put that pressure on him and just shut him down and force Brandon Ingram to really step up, and B, I can step up. But if you take CJ out of the game, I think that the Clippers can win. But it all really depends because CJ wants to, to make a statement and he wants to make the playoffs. And I thought that the Clippers were going to win this easy but after seeing CJ put up 32 points and will his team to the victory, even when, you know, the other members of the team at first in that first half weren't really giving them help, because literally for the longest time in that first half, it was CJ and Brandon Ingram versus the Spurs. And the Spurs just could not muster up enough points to get back in the game. Because it was just Brandon Ingram and CJ just going one-on-one -on -one and torching them. Then they started to, to get things going and it went on that, that crazy run 
And then you had Jonas Valanciunas that put in 22 points and 14 rebounds, and he started to step up, right? Then, then you had you had Herbert Jones that started to step up on the offensive end and gave them 12 points. Then you had Alvarado that gave them 12 points, and, and you had Marshall that came off the bench and, get, and gave them six. So you started to see the other pieces on the Pelicans start to work out. So going into, into the Clippers, I mean, they're both contending to get beat by the Suns. We know that. But I think it's going to be a more interesting game than what I expected at first. Because I thought it would be just an easy blowout for the Clippers. They get a chance to rest a little bit before they immediately have to fly to Phoenix. But I don't think it's that simple. But we'll see what the Clippers do because I think that they know they have to be letter perfect to keep their season alive. So I think it's going to be a dogfight on Friday, and I'm definitely excited for it, especially if CJ and Brandon Ingram come to play like they did in that first half and CJ the whole entire game. But we'll cross that bridge when it gets there. Overall, it was an amazing uh, first piece of the play-in. Yesterday was way more exciting because of the intrigue of Patrick Beverly and him playing the Clippers again. And I, I want to say hats off to TNT. Hats off to TNT. TNT did their thing. TNT always does their thing when it comes to basketball broadcast. It's just a vibe and a feel that they have. And I just love watching TNT's broadcast of the NBA. So, you know, it was very exciting. The Cavaliers gave us, you know, like a lot of hope that they could embarrass the Nets and show everyone that the Nets are frauds. But Kevin Durant and Kyrie are too great. But we're going to see the Celtics expose the Nets as frauds. More on that um, in a later episode. And then, of course, game of the play-in, by far, Timberwolves Clippers. Hawks showed the Hornets who was boss, and Trey Young told, told all of y'all that are disrespecting him to put some respect on his name. Straight up. Put some respect on my name, I'm telling you, man. And then C.J. McCollum said, listen, I still got it. That C.J. McCollum in Game 7 that knocked out your boy Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets, essentially by himself because Dame was struggling that game, and then single-handedly won that game and sent the Blazers to the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors, CJ still got it. And I think he's going to show y'all that because he showed her that tonight. And he wants to prove that again on Friday. So I think that both those games are going to be interesting. Make sure to tap in. But outside of that, that's it for me. Make sure to follow Pulse Radio 100 on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on YouTube just pulse radio 100 and make sure to, to subscribe to the podcast with apple podcast on iHeartRadio, and on spotify or wherever you get your podcast because we need y'all to grow those podcast numbers man but outside of that thank you so much for listening and as always i will see you on the other side you're listening to pulse radio <laughs> Going through 